Good morning, and welcome to the Everyman Global Livestream. We are so excited that you are part of the Everyman Movement, and a special welcome to all those that have served this great country. My name is Greg Monk. I'm a father of five. I have four boys and one girl, Noah, Taylor, Micah, Elijah, and Ethan. They are talented actors and singers, performers, and worship leaders. You may have seen them, uh, you know, a few of them on TV and in the movies. I've been married to Kimberly for the past 30 years. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, and I was combat promoted to corporal for my actions in the Gulf War. And I'm a lead pastor at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills. Kenny Luck is my friend, and we have been working together for the past eight years. I'm, I'm honored and humbled to be with you this morning. You know, if God can use someone like me, I know that he can use you in incredible ways. We create notes for you to follow along with us. You just have to click download notes and print or follow along. Why do we want you to do that? Well, first, studies on learning have shown that actively engaging by listening and then taking notes helps you understand and remember the information better. Also, because we want you to teach this study with your friends, family, men's group, at church, in person, or over Zoom. We put the notes together to multiply this men's movement through you. So please, download the notes and share this live stream with everyone you know. Today, we are kicking off part five of this new series called The Guide. You know, I'm sad that it's already been five weeks. I can't believe it's gone by so quickly. I'm humbled uh, to be with you. And, you know, in USMC boot camp, I was the platoon leader and carried the platoon flag. It's called a guide on. In turn, that made me the guide. Most of us want to be good and faithful soldiers. And we know what the opposite of that is and what it creates. It creates havoc and pain and suffering, you know, and mostly to, to the ones that love us the most. What is guiding you is what is going to determine what kind of soldier you're going to be. You know what, is culture guiding you? Is Hollywood guiding you? Is media guiding you? Are politics guiding you? Is wealth guiding you? Is pleasure guiding you? Or is God guiding you, the creator of the heavens and the earth? You know, a lot of you were latchkey kids like me. You know, you would re return to the house at, you know, after school to an empty home. And we're often left at home with no supervision because our parents were working or they were strung out or they're in jail. We had poor examples. We had poor guides. You know, last week in part four, we talked about a soldier's purpose is pleasing his commanding officer and training in godliness by becoming like Christ getting familiar with spiritual weapons, and not fighting alone. In week three, we talked about a soldier's surrender and how we need to stop resisting a relationship with God and start trusting, cooperating, and winning with God. In week two, we talked about a soldier's growth truly happens when we are rooted, accountable, and on, and on mission for God. And in week one, we talked about a soldier's identity and how the truest identity is that you are a man of God. So if you've not had a chance to watch those, please check out the rest of the guide series and share them with everyone that you know, especially the soldiers in your life. You know, this week's monkism is 
Don't let life circumstances define who you are. Today on part five of the guide, we are talking about a soldier's worth. You know, you put your life on the line for your country and fellow soldiers and fight the enemy with reckless abandon. Then you come home and at some point you start processing what you went through. Some ways that we deal with or try to forget our past create more pain in our lives. You know, then we start hearing culture, political rhetoric, and see decisions that abandon the dirt that you bled on and watched your friends die on. Our worth and value are marginalized, and sadly, some of us give up at a rate of 44 veteran suicides daily. That has to stop. It's an epidemic. And we have to understand that, you know, God sees your worth as the warrior that you are. You need to receive God's worth just the way you are. And you need to define your worth by his acceptance alone. You know, and that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, you would never go into battle without bullets. So you never go into life without your worth or you will die. You have to lock and load your worth. You have to. Once your worth is locked and loaded properly into your soul, you'll be ready to face anything and no one can take that away from you. You know, the military model is performance. You know, that's how you get worth. There is no intrinsic value in the soldier in terms of the structural system. You perform under authority and accountability and your worth rises before men. You gain acceptance, you gain affirmation that gets symbolized and rewarded through awards or medals, or we get stripes or stars, rules, structure, opportunities to perform. In combat, you perform and your worth rises. The problem is the outer worth does not produce lasting inner worth. It's just temporary. You have so much value. You're a soldier. You go, you fight, you bleed, and you watch people die. You know, that is worthy of honor. But that outer performance does not win you inner foundation. The reason we know that is because 44 veterans are killing themselves every day. The right outer structure does not magically produce inner worth. The soldier of God gets locked and loaded and he is ready to perform, not to earn his worth, but because he is already worthy and loved and accepted. That's a huge, you know, that's a huge thing. You know, it's an upside down model. You know, the, you know, uh, the, the military model is perform under authority and accountability and then acceptance and affirmation come. You know, Kenny says it all the time this way. The human soul is engineered to seek out, locate, and secure worth. God hardwired us to be seen, known, and appreciated by someone. And if someone doesn't stop, take notice, and acknowledge us in a, in a, you know, in a, in a meaningful way, our souls won't be at peace. This gap in the soul will be a conscious or subconscious force in our lives a force that fuels fear and insecurity within. You know, and we know where those things lead. You know, you can have intrinsic value and dignity and worth that's given to you by God. That then becomes the engine that gives you confidence and assurance and drive. Or 
you can get through performance from men. That's temporary. You have to get locked and loaded in your inner man. You have to own your worth that's inside of you. You know, a soldier in the military, his worth is through performance. A soldier in God's army, his worth comes through God's acceptance. And that becomes the driver. Your soul is seeking worth. Every person wants to be seen, known, and appreciated for who they are, not what they can be for someone else, and not for who, and not for who someone else wants them to be, so they can be accepted. When you start off with a worth deficit, you are vulnerable because you're seeking it, and, and you will do stuff to get worth, even if that stuff to get worth is bad, and it impacts you and your family negatively. You know, Kenny says it this way, you know, that one of the most dangerous creatures on earth is an unvalidated man. You know, that's crazy. And it's true. We need to eliminate the threat by getting secure on the inside by knowing you are worth love. You need to know that you are worthy of love. You know, worth is the topic today. And the question is, how do you go about getting worth? How you know, you know, you can start with worth and, you know, immediate dignity because you know why? You're made in the image of God or you can perform for it in front of people. You know, you have worth through God or you can perform for it through people. We need to understand that it's immediately comes from God right away as soon as we say yes to him. You know, the military model reflects that when a soldier goes to war, you go, you perform, you do something honorable, and you fight for your country, you come home. It doesn't gain you the acceptance and affirmation from, you know, from your country or people. You know, when you don't get that, you get delusioned. You know, when I perform my duty, you know, when I serve my country, my worth should rise. You know, and then people are ambivalent to it. People don't recognize it. People don't thank you. And then that's confusing to the soul because your outer man is trying to perform for worth. And that's not how you get real worth. You know, that comes and goes. So you have to get your worth from another source, the original source, you know? And that is you're created by God. You're created for God and you're loved by God. Lock and load that. You know, that is the source of your worth. Now God's man, now God's, God's soldier is an unstoppable force filled with worth. In life, if you don't have your worth figured out, you're going to become a casualty in the spiritual battle. Lock and load your worth, men of God. You know, things outside of us cannot resolve the dilemmas within us. If you want to move from synthetic worth to authentic worth, you have to get your worth from God. And, 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 how, and how do you do that? How do you make that happen as good soldiers? Well, first, we need to see God's worth for you. Write in C. See God's worth for you. We need to see it. You know, Zephaniah 3.17, it says this. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. This passage shows us, you know, how much 
He sees our worth. The Lord is in the midst with, you know, with, with power to save. God takes joy in you. God, God gives you rest in his love. God sings over you. We, you know, we often underestimate the joy God has for his people and too often think God is annoyed or irritated with us. We don't often think of God singing, but he does. And he sings over his people. This is how much joy, worth, and delight we give to the Lord. You know, that he breaks into song. I love that. I love that passage. It's powerful. And we need, we need not to forget it. He sees you. And you know, in Matthew 6, 8, and 9, it says this. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. This, this is then how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, that's the start of the prayer that Jesus said of how, how we should pray. You know, we don't pray to tell God things that he didn't know before we told him. We pray to talk with and to appeal to, to a loving God who wants us to bring every need and worry before his throne. You know, Jesus then gave his disciples a model for prayer. Prayer marked by a close relationship, reverence, submission, and trust and dependence. You know, in Jeremiah 3.19, it says this, I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possessions in the world. I looked forward to you, to you calling me father, and I wanted you never to turn from me. You know, God pointed to an inner transformation that would take place among his people, despite their past sin and failures. This inner transformation is another feature of what Jesus has done for us. God sees your worth no matter what you have done. He loves you just the way you are. As a warrior, protector, combat vet, and sheepdog, I understand it's hard to comprehend, but nothing can separate you from, from God's love. Nothing. You know, and that reminds me of the first time I went to the Veterans Administration, VA. You know, I, I don't like talking about this. You know, many fellow veterans are far worse off than I am physically, and many never, you know, even made it home. So my issues seem to pale in comparison. So that's why I would not, don't want to talk about it. It took me 13 years to check in with the VA. You know, after leaving the Marine Corps in 1993, you know, you know I never went into the VA. You know, the only reason I finally did in August of 2006 was because a friend at church who, uh, whose identity was completely wrapped up in being a veteran said, you know, if you're a combat vet living in California and get a 0% disability rating, you know, which means they recognize an injury was service related, but don't give you money for it. You know, your kids will go to state school for free. And so I was like, oh man, the potential, you know, of a benefit for my children finally prompted me to check in with the VA. It wasn't for myself or anything I was dealing with. It was for my children. It was for someone else. You know, I went to the Long Beach Veterans Hospital for a checkup and to get tested for Gulf War Syndrome, you know, a disease that affects the immune system of vets who fought in Kuwait and was caused by inhaling toxic, toxic fumes. You know, I checked in and I got a physical and a blood test. As I waited for the results, I had an unexpected revealing conversation with the nurse. You know, 
I, I didn't realize until the end of the conversation that there was a method and a purpose to her questions. You know, I thought we were just making small talk. I thought we were just having a conversation. As she was looking through my record book, she said to me, where have you been, honey? What took you so long to check in with the VA? And I just, I, I said, I don't know. I've just been living, living life and focusing on my family. You know, and she said, you know, I meet with veterans all the time who come in here trying to milk the system, who never spent a day in combat. But, but you have served in combat. You know, we're combat promoted. And, and, and you stayed away all this time? Do you have any memories or ongoing dreams for, from, for, from your time in combat? You know, and I nodded. You know, yeah, totally. You know, I, I told her about the oil mist causing it to be dark, you know, at noontime. And the smell of, of flesh and blood and oil mixed together. You know, all the memories, like the Iraqi melted into the seat of his vehicle. You know, and, and, and the emotion that, that that brought back to me. You know, and I said, of course, everyone who served in combat has dreams about it. You know, you know, don't they? You know, m you know, m my recurring recurring dream is not being able to to match the body parts together quickly enough, and then being shot by a firing squad for incompetence. She said, "Oh man, that, that that's intense," and asked if I, if I if I felt upset when something reminds me of my experience in combat, or felt that my combat experience was was happening again. You know, I told her, yeah, sometimes sounds and smells, you know, bring me back to those moments and I get agitated and, and, and anxious. You know, when, when I feel like it's happening, I would draw, zone out and, and don't speak. And, and she goes, do you ever have strong physical reactions when something reminds you of combat? I went on to tell her about the first time I had a strong physical reaction. I was watching Saving Private Ryan for the first time with Kimberly. And the opening scene totally engrossed me. The sound of bullets was uncanny. You know, I was hot and sweaty and, and I had to take a, a piss. So after that scene, that first scene, I went to the bathroom, but, but I couldn't go to the bathroom. I couldn't pee. It was strange, but I went back and watched the rest of the movie. And after the movie ended, I was zoned out. I was somewhere else and didn't move for over like five minutes. I had tears in my eyes. Kimber was talking to me, but I did not respond. I felt like I was in the sunken place in my mind, like in that movie, Get Out. I wanted to talk, but it, it, but it was if, 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 if I was frozen, like when you are having a bad dream and you wake up a little, but are still dreaming and you scream, but nothing comes out. You know, I finally came to my senses and said, man, that was a powerful movie. The sound of the bullets and the explosions really, really got to me and brought me back. Kimberly and I both knew I was having a physical reaction to my past, but we never talked about it again. You know, then the nurse asked me, you know, do you, do you ever avoid reminders of combat? And I said, ah, it's funny, it's funny you ask that. I don't speak with anyone I served with in combat or anyone from the Marine Corps for that matter. I don't know why, you know, when going, you know, to a war movie or, or a military celebration, when that fee, you know, you know, when that, when that feeling to avoid comes over me, I push through it. And I, I go out of respect for those who did not make it home. You know, this back and forth was still, you know, just a great conversation in my mind. And because she, she worked with vets, I felt comfortable talking to her. And she says, you know, do you ever forget important details of your experience? And I said, oh yeah, I have trouble remembering the names of the places where we were during combat, but, but remembering the non-combat places is no problem at all. 
You know, she asked, do you have strong negative beliefs about yourself or the people or the world? No, not really. I said, you know, Christ has really transformed my heart and I judge people by the character. You know, I'm way harder on myself than other people though. You know, then she asked, is there anything that you blame, you know, yourself for, for what happened in combat? And I just said, you know, I just have guilt that I survived while others did not get to come home. And then she said, you know, do you have strong negative feelings like fear, horror, anger, guilt, or shame? And I told her, I know this is gonna sound crazy, but you know, I, I have this recurring thought that plagues me. You know, when I'm driving, I have this constant visualization of sticking my leg outside of my moving car, trying to stop it, and my foot leg gets, gets, gets ground down to a nub. I, it just goes through my mind. And she's like, huh, interesting. And then she said, do you have a loss of interest in activities you, know, you used to enjoy? I said, no, I, I love to experience life and it helps me forget about you know, the bad for a time. You know, sometimes in large groups, I feel alone. I have a lack of empathy. You know, I think that, that these people don't know how good they have it. You know, you know how, how they would never survive in combat. And then she asked me, do you ever feel, you know, uh, irritable? You know, do you have behavior, anger outbursts? You know, act, you know, act ag aggressively or, or feel jumpy? I said, yes, you know, unfortunately, you know, all my kids sadly know to never slam the door or scream loudly in the house or, 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 or close to me. You know, my rage goes from like zero to a hundred in a second. And when, that, and when that happens, I try not to go off on the kids yelling, you know? And then she says, you know, do you take risks that could cause you harm? And I said, you know, I used to, but since having kids, I, I think about my health and safety and I want to make sure that, that, that they have a dad there around for them as long as possible, you know, unlike I had. And she says, well, are you super alert or watchful, you know, or on the guard? I said, yes, you know, I always face the door at restaurants or whenever possible, you know, watching people to identify any potential threats. And then she says, do you have, you know, difficulty concentrating or falling asleep? You know, and I said, like I mentioned, you know, I zone out and lose interest at times. You know, yes, I have trouble staying asleep. I wake up a lot and I find myself feeling like I've not slept enough, even when I, I've been sleeping for a long time. And then she says, you know, do you feel like, um, you know, do you feel like those emotions come back and do you like playing first person shooter games? I said, yes, I love those. You know, I love playing those. You know, I have five kids, we have video games. Whenever I play those games, it calms me down. You know, it's crazy how killing and fighting, you know, on a screen calms me down. She said, wow, thank you for your service and thank you for sharing. I said, no problem. And was smiling, you know, then like, you know, out of a scene from Goodwill Hunting, she puts her hands on my hands across the table and, and said, I'm so glad you're here. I just want you to know it's going to be okay. You know, I was not tracking at this point with her at all. You know, I nervously chuckled and, and said, you know, I, I know, I, I know, thank you. And then she went on. She says, no, Greg, it's going to be okay. Thank you for your service. I said, I know, thank you. I was starting to feel a little emotional. And then she said it again, thank you for your service. It's going to be okay. You know, the tears started to come out of my eyes and down my face. You know, I know, I know, thank you. She said, it's going to be okay, Greg. You know, I couldn't speak at this point. I started crying. You know, after a while, I, I started laughing and thinking, what the hell is wrong with me? 
you know, I was embarrassed and, and chuckled as I, I tried to regain my composure. You know, she said, those questions, you know, they're from the PTSD questionnaire. I said, oh, oh, did I pass? And she, and, you know, and she said, it's not a test, Greg. You know, my golf war syndrome test was negative and I gave her a hug. She never said that I had PTSD, but I assumed I did and, and was ashamed of it for some crazy reason. You know, I felt like, it was, like something was wrong with me. You know, it wouldn't be until 2013 when I finally heard the words, you have PTSD, you know? Next, after that, I met with a, a veterans, at, you know, advocacy group, um, and they're housed there at the hospital, and they went through my record book and, and, and filed a VA claim for every injury and issue that was in my record book. Broken hands, sprained ankles from training instances, um, and the combat maneuvers, hearing issues, throat issues, and breathing issues from the Gulf War. Um, you know, the advocate asked me if I had PTSD, and I said, no. You know, everyone has bad memories of combat. He said, I will add it, and then, you know, they will examine you for it and, and can determine if you do or don't. You know, I started to go to the VA clinic, you know, in Laguna Hills for medical checkups a couple times a year. You know, they would go down that PTSD questionnaire every time. And each time they would tell me I needed to go see the combat counselor, Dr. Lopez. You know, I finally went to see her. You know, I went, I went two to three times and then didn't go back until I was reminded of it at my annual checkup a year later. You know, this went on for years. I would go for a while, then stop. You know, Dr. Lopez said, you know, that I, that, you know, I have a form of detachment syndrome. So while some veterans embrace their service, I apparently run from it. You know, Greg, she said, you take care of everyone else in your life but yourself. You know, this would continue for eight more years until 2013. You know, when I went to go see Dr. Lopez that year, she had moved on to a different location. You know, I was sitting with a new psychi uh, psychologist and she was looking over my file on my computer. I said jokingly, so did Dr. Lopez say that I'm crazy? She said, no, you're not crazy, but you do have PTSD. This was the first time someone said it out loud that I had PTSD. It tripped me out and, and it put me in a funk for the whole day. Maybe because I was ashamed of that label, you know, and, and learning to not be ashamed was part of my journey. You know, I have learned to embrace my time in the Marines. You know, I have a sticker on my car now and pictures on my Facebook page. I post about my service, talk freely about it, tell stories proudly as you've heard in this series. And I'm honored to be among the few of the proud, the Marines. You know, I'm not as mean, I'm not as lean, but I'm still a Marine, hoorah. You know, what sustains me and what sustained me through all of that is knowing that God sees value and worth in me. You know, and you need to understand that, 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 that God sees worth in you. You know, and you need to understand and see God's worth for you. You need to know that, you know. So receive God's worth is the second one. You know, number two, that's what we need to do. We need to receive God's worth. Write it in. You know, Romans 8, 15 through 16, it says this. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know, this passage is saying, you know, those who are God's children are born again by the spirit of God and, and know their status because the Holy Spirit reveals that it's so. 
You know, we are children of God. We don't have to wonder if we are, 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 are really Christians or not. God's children know who they are. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. You know, this is a promise for anyone. It's for anybody, any of you. It doesn't matter how much money you have, what race you are, what nationality you are, what language you, you speak, or what level of intelligence you have. Anyone can be a new creation in Jesus Christ. Absolutely anyone. And praise God for that. This passage is saying Jesus Christ changes those who come to him by faith and who are in Christ. You know, they are saved, not just forgiven. They are changed into a new creation. However, being a new creation doesn't mean that we are, we are perfect. It means that we are changed and that we are, we are being changed. We are a work in progress. Amen to that, because I am. You know, this is something God alone can do in us. So we are told to put off the old man and to put on the new man, which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. You know, Christianity is all about what God did for us, not what we can do or should do for God. And we should do a lot for him. But it's all about what he has done for us. So first, we need to see God's worth for you. Second, receive God's worth. And then thirdly, define your worth by God's acceptance. Write in the word define. Define your worth by God's acceptance. When you define your worth by God's acceptance, he takes our worst and uses it for his best. If he can use me, I'm telling you, he can surely use you. You know, after I got back from the Gulf War, it wasn't long after we started, you know, to go to marriage counseling with Pastor Dan, uh, this guy, friend of mine, Pastor Dan Pantano. You know, and then and, and during that time, he asked me to be a counselor at the Anaheim District Church of the Nazarene Youth Camp. You know, and I said, Dan, <laughs> there's no way, you know, I can't be a youth counselor. I don't know enough about the Bible, and I might cuss at the kids. You know, can anybody relate to that? He said this to me. He goes, it's only through the blood of Jesus that any of, any of us are worthy. So come, come be a part of this camp. You know, so Kimberly and I, we talked about it, and I finally said I would. You know, I took a leave uh, for a week from the Marine Corps and went up to Ottawa Pines. You know, the Anaheim District was made up of 75 smaller churches from all around Los Angeles, San Bernardino, and Orange County. You know, and I got to be the counselor for a bunch of kids from Long Beach, Compton, uh, Maywood, and Linwood. You know, I had been to boot camp, but I'd never gone to camp as a kid. So I was like really excited. You know, I brought all my Marine gear. You know, these inner city kids were flowing some serious attitude. So I ran the cabin like a platoon. You know, I picked one of them as the cabin leader, made him the guide. Whenever they didn't listen, I pulled them out of the cabin, you know, no matter what time it was or, or, or what they were wearing, you know, and we did calisthenics, jumping jacks, push-ups, leg lifts, all the stuff I did in the pit, dirt angels and walking in circles around a tree. It didn't take long before, before the cabin did exactly what I said when I, say it, you know, when I said it. You know, don't judge me. It was the 90s. You know, and I was, uh, hey, they put a, a hardcore Marine, you know, you know a bunch, with a bunch of kids. I, I didn't know what I was doing. 
It was funny. You know, one of them said to me, you're not my dad. You can't tell me what to do. I said, really? Is that so? Well, this week, I'm your mommy, daddy, and your worst nightmare combined if you don't do what I say. When they heard I was a, a combat veteran, they were both terrified and respectful. There was a rumor amongst my cabin that I slept with my eyes open, so that's why they never snuck out. The truth is, I slept like a baby. They were just so afraid to get caught that they made up these legends about me. So hilarious, man. You know, what sealed uh, the deal for all of us in the cabin that first year was my story of how I grew up. My story was their story. They had deadbeat dads in and out of jail. They had drug addicted and drug dealing dads. They had dads who had abandoned them, and so did I. It didn't matter the different colors of our skin. We were connected by mutual pain stemming from the same thing, an absentee father, which I've realized is the cause of the majority of the pain and suffering in any culture or community in the world. You know, I was learning, you know, as I went on how to, how to supervise kids. It was on the job training for me. And, you know, so especially this story, you know, you have to give me grace. You know, one day I was walking back from, from uh, the cabin from a staff meeting and, and a white kid and a black kid from my cabin got into an argument. As I walked up, they were, they were fighting, you know, one yelling, white trash, Hick Casper, and the, and, and the other yelling the N-word. You know, I yelled, you know, knock it off as I ran up to the scene, but they didn't stop fighting. So I picked both of them up off the ground by the back of their shirts, and I rushed them to the side of the cabin, trying to get them away from, you know, the rest of the boys. I was upset and moving quickly. You know, they were floundering, tripping over themselves, trying to keep up with me. You know, with one in each hand, I got them to the side of the cabin, turned them around, and then grabbed the front of their shirts at the chest. In a single motion, I picked them up, you know, and you know, at the same time, and then, you know, put them against the wall. Their feet were dangling, you know, off the ground now. My forearms were across both of their chests, holding them up. You know, as I looked at them, they had bug eyes and were in total fear, not saying a word, thinking I was going to kill them. You know, and I said this, I go, I told you to knock it off. They frantically said, sorry. I continued, this is a church camp. This is not the week to bring that racist crap up the hill when we're trying to learn how to be more like Christ. <laughs> I can't get crazy. You know, next time you fight, you're going to have to have to fight me. You know, hey, this was the early 90s, man, before helicopter and lawnmower parents started ruining kids by, by not letting them fail and not teaching them how to work through their own adversity. You know, and still, I can't believe I did that. Way to be Christ-like to the kids, Greg. You know, well, it worked. I never had a problem with anyone in the cabin again. And those two, guess what? They became best friends. You know, something that we can learn in today's society about letting kids work through their adversity and stuff and not trying to shield them from everything. And then on Friday night, Dan asked me to give my testimony about my life. I was like, are you sure, man? You know, he told me, just be yourself, Greg. He invited me up after worship, and I told my story and hit many of the, the main themes you're hearing about in this series. And it was raw and authentic. The students were glued to, to every word. I, I think I accidentally said the S word, you know, during the testimony. And the junior hires, you know how they're so, you know, active. They didn't even flinch or laugh. You know, at the end of my testimony, I asked them to pray for me because at that time, I still hated my dad, who was currently in jail. You know, I didn't, you know, 
I didn't pull any punches with them and told them I knew that, that only through the grace of Christ would I learn to forgive my father. I remember experiencing the presence of God after giving my testimony. During the final worship time, I was overwhelmed with emotion as over 50 kids came over to have me pray for them. My whole cabin locked arm in arm together, worshiping the Lord. You know, that was the first time I felt the Spirit of God working in and through me, taking the worst from my life and using it for His best to draw people to Him. There is no greater feeling. And if He can use me, He can surely use you. And what's awesome is that, you know, God is the great reconciler of all things, you know? And God can use you in ways you can never imagine. God wants you to find worth in Him alone. You know, He needs somebody just like you. You guys, never forget this, that, that you know, we're all searching for rec you know, reconciliation in our world today. You know, everybody wants reconciliation. And, and we want that, and we, and, and we want to get that. But where does it come from? You know, it comes from embracing a relationship with Jesus. Christ is the great reconciler. And, and he changes lives completely. And we need to surrender our lives to him. And we need to share God's word with everyone around us. You know, John 8, 29, it says this. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him by his acceptance alone. You know, the father, you know, has not left Jesus alone. And he will not leave you alone. We seek to please God for the grace and love he has shown us for accepting us and using us just the way we are. God is with you, never forget that. And in Romans 8, 37, it says this, now despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You guys, we have victory with the power of Jesus. Yes, we have victory with the glory of Jesus. We have victory even in this struggle, during the struggle. And we have victory, we have victory that overcomes our enemies. You know, you guys, God gives you victory. In 1 John 4.18, it says this, Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have, not, we, have, we, have, we have not fully experienced His perfect love. Due to God's complete love for us means we do not need to run in fear of his judgment because Jesus had paid for, for all of our sins, past, present, and future. You guys, God takes away fear. And 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, for God has given us a spirit, has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Man of God, God has given us a spirit of power. When we do his work, proclaim his word, represent his kingdom. We have all his power supporting us. We are safe in his hands. As men of God, boldness matters, you know? You know, having boldness, it really does matter. You know, without it, we can't fulfill God's purpose for our lives. God's purpose for us is more than making money, being entertained, and being comfortable. It is for each of us to use the gifts he gives us to bless his people and help a needy world. You know, God wants us, you know, God wants each, each of us to take his power, his love, and his calm thinking, and the way he overcomes fear to be used by him with all the gifts he gives.
You guys, God gives us power. You know, no matter what you have done on mission, in country, on deployment, or in combat, know that God loves you and you are worthy of God's love. God made you a warrior, a war fighter, and a sheepdog, and there's nothing wrong with you. You are worthy of God's love. You guys, see God's worth for you. Receive God's worth and define your worth by God's acceptance alone. You know, things outside of us cannot resolve the dilemmas within us. If you want to move from synthetic worth to authentic worth, you have to get your worth from God. Lock and load your worth in God alone. The meaning of life is a relationship with God, and he wants to have one with you. I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I am so grateful for this time. Lord, I'm so thankful for this series, Lord God, and, and, and Lord God, what you have spoken to us. Lord, I pray for each and every man that they would love you and that they would know you, Lord God. Lord, that they would experience you. I, I, I pray that they would fully understand your worth, God. Lord, that they would be champions, Lord God, of who you are. Lord God, that they would not seek fulfillment from the world and culture and people around us. Lord, in those systems, Lord God, that they would understand that their worth comes from, from you alone, Lord God. And that, Lord, that you see them, Lord God, that you receive them, Lord God, and you accept them. How awesome it is to be seen, Lord God, to be received and be accepted by you. Lord, and because of that, Lord God, we have worth, we have a purpose, we have a plan. You have a plan for our lives, Lord God. And I pray that you would reveal it to every man that is listening. You have a purpose for every man's life here. And I pray that you would reveal that to them, Lord God. Lord, I pray that we would not just watch this as a, another thing we watched or another thing we listened to, Lord God. I pray that it would transform us. It would cause us to action. Lord, it would cause us, especially those who are fighting with worth and despair, Lord, that they feel alone. They don't feel that God loves them. They don't feel loved. Lord, I pray that they would surrender their lives to you. And Lord, they would follow you with all their heart, their souls, and their mind. And they would not be another victim to the schemes of the enemy, Lord God, and take their life. Lord, I protect everyone that can hear my voice. Lord, we give you our lives. Lord, I give you the series, the guide. Lord, I pray you would bless it and use it for your will. Lord, help the right men who, who need to see it to see it. God, we give you this day. We give you our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen. Amen. Man, what an honor to be with you these past five weeks. You know, it's my prayer that this series has helped you to draw near to God. You know, if you would like to talk with me about anything, you know, you can email me at greg at crosslinechurch.com. It's greg, G-R-E-G, at crosslinechurch.com. Or you can go to my website, gregmonk.net. You know, if you are ever in the Laguna Hills, Orange County, California area, come by Crossline Church at, and come to our 9 or 11 o'clock service. You know, and afterwards, come and say hi. Give me a hug. I'd love to see you. You know, also, if you are a veteran or active military or know of a soldier or a veteran, you know, could you do a couple things for me? One, would you please forward this link to this live stream right now? Forward it to every man that you know, you know, especially those that serve and have served in our military. 
And secondly, you know, I wrote a book called The Guide, Survival, Warfighting, Peacemaking. And now you know why I wrote that book. And it's coming out in November of 2022. It's a book about the crazy, funny, sad, and moving stories. That is my life. Some of which I've shared in this series. Would you click the link to my website below, gregmonk.net, to pre-order your copy today. Never forget, man of God, that God loves you and so do I.